0: God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can be here, Lord, and just praise and worship you, Lord, today, Lord. We pray for Philip now as he shares your word with us, to just be with him, Lord. Lord, just be with us too, Lord. Just give Philip wisdom as he shares your word with us. We just think of all the places, Lord, that your word, Lord, um, where people will be persecuted for hearing it, Lord. and We just thank you for the freedom that we have in this country, Lord, and help us, Lord, not to take this for granted. I just pray now and thank you for all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amazing and wonderful things there that we can study and discover but it is, it's deep, big and deep and vast, and it's, it's, it's really amazing. And the book of Ephesians is divided into two major sections, the first three chapters and the last three chapters. So the first three chapters are all about who we are as a church. It says we are in Christ. And what does that mean and what does that look like and what's God's purpose for us? And the last three chapters are about how we should live in light of that. So in the first three chapters, there's actually only one command. And in the last three chapters, we have about 40 commands from God. So this is going to be quite different to the book of James, where there were commands all over the place. You know, in the book of James, he was very animated. He was very anxious. He was very angry at some points. But the book of Ephesians has a totally different tone. It's really encouraging. And we can see that from the end of Ephesians, where Paul says that Tychicus, the guy who is meant to deliver this letter to the churches in Ephesus, was supposed to go there and encourage the believers with this letter. And so we have an extremely encouraging letter here. And... You know, what? these first three chapters, because they're talking about what God wants for us and who we are in God's eyes, is very deep and very, very theological. And I can, <laughs> I, I can almost hear some people thinking, oh, sounds impossible impractical, and practical uh, and theoretical. Maybe this is going to be really hard. But wait. You know, the better we understand who we are in Christ, then the better we'll be able to live out the way that Christ wants us to. And also, if we're going to say, well, why are all these commands here? Why should I be doing this? Why should we be like that as a church? Why all of those commands? The answers to all of those why questions are found in the first three chapters So, this is what we want to learn from the first three chapters. We're not necessarily going to get a to do list for the week. That to do list is there, it's found in the last three chapters. But in the first three chapters, we need to learn to appreciate God, who He is, and what He's done, and His amazing purposes, and who we are in Christ, and why we should obey Him, and what God's purpose for us is. So, While we're preaching through the first three chapters, if you hear a sermon and you think, man, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? You should look up the last three chapters because they'll tell us what we're supposed to do as a result of learning all of these things. And if we're in the last three chapters and you think, whoa, that's great, you know, we're supposed to do all these things, but what for? Then we should go back and have a look at the first three chapters and then the purpose of why God is saying these things. So Paul begins with his classic introduction. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this greeting because it's so subversive. You know, grace and peace was actually a typical Roman kind of greeting. When they went into to conquer a nation, they say, here's the peace of Rome, and the emperor of Rome extends his grace to you, you can be part of the Roman Empire, and you get less taxes and all sorts of um, benefits, so that you can be part of the great Roman Empire. And the, the, the Caesar, who's known as like the father of the nation, the father of the empire, but You know what? Many Christians gave their lives for saying that Jesus is Lord and not Caesar. And here Paul in his letter, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of God's kingdom and we have peace from God. And what a great introduction to this tremendously encouraging letter for us. So let's go through now and have a look at the highlights of some of these chapters and how they link together and some of the themes so that we can see what God is about. Paul begins by just with an explosion of praise. Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he goes on to just describe all these amazing blessings we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And all these blessings are written in one sentence that stretches from verse 3 all the way to verse 14. There's one sentence in Greek. And so this, this huge just explosion of, of praise because of these wonderful blessings that we have in, in God. You know, we're predestined to be adopted as sons. We're redeemed by his blood. We're part of his plan. We're chose to, chosen to give God praise and glory, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Whew, no wonder Paul prays that we're going to understand all of these things. No wonder Paul finishes the chapter with a a tremendous prayer that we're going to understand all of this. But why is he mentioning these blessings? Well, one of the reasons is because he wants to introduce the theme of unity in Christ. As you read through this massively long sentence, we come across this phrase again and again. Who are we? We are in Christ, in Christ, in him, in him, in him. We are in Christ. And it's introducing this theme of unity. We're together as God's community. We're together as God's people, as God's church. And this this theme goes right throughout the whole book. You know, the Greek word for unity is only found in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians talks about one. We have one God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Jew and Gentile are one church under God when they come to God through Jesus Christ. And the church is described in a, as a body and as a temple where living stones being built together. The book of Ephesians is going to tell us how to be church in our society today. It's going to tell us how to be church in our society today. And the other reason that Paul is listing all these amazing blessings that we have in God is because he wants to emphasize the victory that Jesus has over the whole world. And we can see that because he spends two major sections of chapter 1 talking about how God will sum all things up under our Lord Jesus Christ. We can see it there in verse 10. And again in verse 23, we are his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And this theme of victory runs through the book of Ephesians as well. That's why in chapter 3 we learn that God's one of God's purposes is for the church is to show the spiritual powers that that Jesus is victor, victor over them, that he is wise, his wisdom. And that's why in chapter 6, we have, a, we have a big section on spiritual warfare, how we can stand against the spiritual powers of this dark world. Unity and victory. And Ephesians chapter 2 carries on from that. It tells us that we have a new position individually, and a new position together as a group, as a church. And there's a really important word here that I want to introduce you to that that comes across quite often. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, I wonder whether your Bible says to walk or to live. The, The Greek word is to walk, and it does mean living, but it means living with a purpose. What direction are you living in? And Ephesians will describe it this way, it says, you were dead in your trespasses, in the ways in which you used to walk, you used to walk the world's way, you used to walk Satan's way. But then you get to chapter 2, verse 10 of chapter 2, and it says, we are new creations in Christ, created to walk God's way, to walk in the good deeds that God has prepared for us to do we were walking the world's way and now we're going to walk God's way. We've been created as new people in Jesus to walk God's way. And this idea of walking God's way is going to come up a lot later on in the book. And not only have we been made new people in God to serve him, we're also made new, uh, a new group of people called the church church. And he goes on to say that there are no second-class Christians in God's eyes because Paul here is reminding the Gentiles that, you know what, you're, you're fellow citizens with Israel as God's people. He says, you know what, you're, the, Israel and the church are being built together as a temple in God's sight for the, that the Holy Spirit will live in, our unity as a church. There are no second class Christians in God's eyes. And again, at the end of chapter 2, he highlights the theme of victory because he says Christ Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 2, we have our identity in Christ. In chapter 3, he talks about a mystery revealed. And as I mentioned before, God has commanded Paul to make it clear that his plan for Jews and Gentiles to be built together is, and to be one in God, through Jesus Christ is a mystery. It was a mystery, but now it's been revealed by God. And when we live that out, the spiritual powers of this world will experience God's wisdom in action. Will experience God's, God's wisdom in action. Now it's at this point that I think I need to touch on a very important thing. the The book of Ephesians talks a lot about spiritual powers and I've mentioned it several times now, and it's easy for us to think, oh, that was kind of back then, and spiritual powers, nobody really believes in them anymore here, so how is that going to relate to us? But in actual fact, there's a very strong connection. Do you know why people believed in spiritual powers in, those, in the first century? Why did they practice magic and all those things? It was because they wanted to manipulate the world around them to give themselves a prosperous and comfortable life. They would they would use the magic spells and things to either try and get revenge on their enemies or to give them lots of money, to give them a comfortable life, and all of those things. And today, lots of people are trying to do the same thing, but just in a different way. They might play at office politics, or they might um, they might try and rig the stock market, or they might try and um, just push and and shove and just make everything around them theirs, or they might go gambling. The, The purpose, the reason behind it is the same. And either way, it's really wrong because it's wrong because we're to trust God for a life that is truly good. And it's wrong because we need to recognize that God is sovereign over all and not us. We can't manipulate God with our prayers. We can't manipulate spiritual powers with our prayers. And trying to do that with our lives is not going to work. So the idea that Jesus is Lord, he's the one in charge, he's the one who is good, he's the one who we turn to, this comes through in Ephesians, when Ephesians is talking about how Jesus is king over the spiritual powers. So we can can keep that in mind. And what does Paul say? Well, when we live out God's plan for harmony within the church, when there's no second-class Christians in our thinking, what happens? Well, God's wisdom is made known to the spiritual powers. No wonder then that Paul prays that we will understand God's love because there's no way we're going to be able to live in that kind of unity and harmony unless we understand God's love. God's love is the total basis for all of the unity and harmony that he commands that we have. And, in fact, love is another massive theme of Ephesians. It's mentioned 22 times in the book. Everything that that Ephesians talks about is in the context of God's love, another key thing to look out for. Well, that's been a very short summary of some very deep Chapters. You can tell we're swimming in deep waters here, but we have a wonderful God and there's wonderful things there for us to discover and study. And all of these themes, unity, victory, the Holy Spirit, our identity as a church and love, they're, they're all in the last three chapters as well. And those themes are going to link these two halves together. So who are we? We are in Christ. And why are we in Christ? We're we're in Christ as God's church to declare His victory as Lord over everything and everyone, including the spiritual powers, and we're being knit together in a fellowship that expresses His love. So, because we're in Christ, because we're the church, what should we do? How are we supposed to live? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We are called to unity. We are called to live according to our identity. And so this is the the major break. Therefore, because of who we are, this is the way we're supposed to walk. This is the way we're supposed to walk. And in chapter 4, our theme in unity comes out again where we read that gifted Christians are here to equip us and train us to serve our best and to tell us that when we all love the truth in unity, we're not going to be led astray by false teaching. So we need to be willing to be trained and willing to serve. And then halfway through chapter 4, we read, Do not walk like the world. Sound familiar? Sounds like chapter 2, doesn't it? You used to walk the world's way, now we're created to walk God's way. He says, make sure you walk God's way and don't walk the world's way. And it goes into great big detailed descriptions of what we're not to, um, to do. And then he tells us what we are to do. we were to walk in love like Jesus. Here's our theme again. We're not, we're not to love and lust or love immorality like the world. We're to love like Jesus. And the world, the world is in darkness, but we are to walk in the light and we're to expose those deeds of darkness for what they are. That immorality that the world calls freedom is just another label for selfishness and exploitation. We can expose those things. We walk in the light. We can see them for what they are and we can let people know about the love that Jesus has. And then... We read that we are to walk in wisdom. And we, this starts all the way over in chapter 5 and verse 15. Our uh, word walk again. And what does it mean to walk in God's wisdom? Well, it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, according to Ephesians, it's when we're so bursting full of praise, just gratitude come to God comes out of our mouths in every form possible, talking, singing, making music, everything. And also, we can tell that we're full of the Holy Spirit when we're submitting to one another in love. There's our theme of unity again. And Paul goes into a lot of depth and detail telling us, Exactly what that looks like in family relationships, as in church family and as in our biological family. He talks about husbands and wives, children and parents, slaves and masters. Here's what unity looks like in the church. Here's what it looks like to walk in God's wisdom. And then the last section of Ephesians. Where to stand in spiritual warfare, and this this section of Ephesians really sums up all of the other sections of Ephesians. To put on God's armor is equivalent to walking God's way, and it's also equivalent to proclaiming His word and loving the truth. And so, for example, if Ephesians chapter six verse fourteen mentions the belt of truth, what does it mean to put on the belt of truth? Well. Earlier in chapter 4, we read that we're to love the truth in unity, and that way we'll stay together and we won't be separated by false teaching. Put on the belt of truth. And then he concludes by saying, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So a tremendously encouraging book, a tremendously deep book, a tremendously practical book. So I have three challenges for us today. Firstly, as, we've, as we go through Ephesians, sit down on Sunday afternoon or during the week and pray to God and give him thanks for what we've read in Ephesians. You know, sometimes we're so good at giving God thanks for good weather and, and all sorts of things, but sometimes it's, we're not so good at giving God thanks for what is actually in the Bible, in his word. And definitely for Ephesians, God wants us to appreciate who he is and to adore him. So let's, let's do that. We can pray and give God thanks for what we've learned each, about him each Sunday. And my second challenge to you is... Whatever part of Ephesians we're looking at, read the other half of Ephesians as well and look for the connections so you can link the practical with who we are, what we're doing with why we're doing it. And in order to do that, I think that it'd be a great challenge for all of us to read the book of Ephesians each week. There's six chapters. You could read a chapter a day or you could read the whole thing in less than half an hour. It's worth reading because the more familiar we are are with this book, the more we'll be able to get out of it and know what God is really telling us in it. So my, my challenge to you is to pray in gratitude, to link the sections and to read Ephesians each week. And this way, we'll appreciate the main message of Ephesians, which is to live God's way because of who we are in Christ. Live God's way because of who we are in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you that you are so wonderful. We want to thank you that you are above all powers. You're above all authorities. You have the victory, and you are wisdom itself. You are a total love. Lord God, we want to thank you for your purposes that you've expressed in Ephesians. That is, that your your purpose is to show the world and the powers, your wisdom, and that we might worship you and display your love and compassion and unity. Lord, thank you for giving us the power to live your way. And we pray as we read through this book, that you'd help us to appreciate you and adore you more and more each day. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.